The other day, Hannah and I went out on a date for the first time in a long time, and uh, we don't do it that often anymore because we have a little one-and-a-half-year-old baby boy, and that's, that's not a knock on him. It's just more difficult to go out on dates. And uh, we went out, and I, I, I forgot how much everything had actually changed for us now that we have kids, you know? Like, before when we'd go out, when we didn't have Henry, you just kind of go out. You, you get dressed, you grab your keys, and you go wherever you want. But now that we have a kid, it's a whole process. You know, you got, you got to convince him to put his socks on and then his shoes. He doesn't like the socks, but he'll wear the shoes. So you got to do that. Now that it's cold out, you got to put a coat on him and a hat. Um, you got to have the diaper bag ready. So you got to have all the extra diapers in case something explodes or something. You got the extra wipes in case something, you know. You got to have the change of clothes. You've got to have the extra drink, the snack, the book, the toy. I mean, it's a whole process to get out the door. And when Hannah and I were, uh, were new parents, we got invited over to our friends, uh, Alex and Melanie's house, and we were running late, and we're super frustrated, and we're, we're packing up the bag, and we're getting everything ready, and we get to the house, and we're like, man, we are, we are so sorry we're late. We start getting everything out of the bag, and we kind of look around, and I look at Hannah, and she looks at me, and we realize we forgot Henry in the car. And we felt like the worst parents ever. I mean, we, it was only like 30 seconds, but we ran out there. We were like, we're so sorry. We didn't mean to leave you. We love you. And uh, we, we looked like terrible parents that day. And, uh, and, and we brought them in and, and had a good time. And, um, you know, in our haste to get to our destination where we wanted to go, we, we brought a bunch of stuff that we thought we would need, but we forgot the most important thing. And I share that with you today because I think that story represents a lot of us here today. We have destinations in mind of of who we want to be, you know, as parents, as families, uh, who you want to be in your career. We've been talking for eight weeks about who we want to be in our faith and having unshakable faith. And so often we see opportunities like a relationship or, or a job or a financial opportunity or that dream home come up in our lives and we just rush into it. And we get there as fast as we can, and so often we forget the most important thing, and that's God. God is the most important thing in any decision we make, in any choice we make in life. And so so we've been looking over the past eight weeks in this series called Unshakable about how do you get to that destination of having unshakable faith in your life? Like how at the end of your life do you reach that point And how do you have integrity and and, and real faith in those moments? And how do you not forget the most important thing along the way? And we've been looking at the story of Daniel. When we first met Daniel in week one, he's 15 years old, and he's a prisoner of war taken from his home country, placed in a a nation where he doesn't speak the language. Uh, He's unfamiliar with the culture, taken away from his family and friends. We've seen him go through all this adversity. That was just the first test. You know, later on, he's thrown into a den of lions. He's had to to face up against some of the strongest kings and most powerful kings in the history of the world. And, And through it all, he's gone through all this adversity and all these obstacles. He's faced death threats. I mean, he's been through it all. And through all of that, he's risen to a higher rank than any of his counterparts, a higher rank than any of his friends, He has more influence and and more favor in the kingdom, and he's done it all without losing his faith. His faith is actually stronger at the end of his life than even at the beginning. 
And so I want to close up our sermon series, which, which, by the way, has been a great one. Can we just give a hand for our small group leaders who have been just killing it? I'm a little impartial, but I think I have the best small group, just saying. Um, but uh, it, the small groups have been incredible, and I'd encourage you to keep your eyes open for January's small groups. It's, it's an awesome opportunity to connect. We've been, we've been looking at um, the life of Daniel and, and the adversity that he's faced over the past eight weeks and, and how he's come out on the other side with unshakable faith. And we're looking at Daniel chapter 9 today, and I love this part because, um, because Daniel is almost 85 years old at this point, or scholars speculate around 85, so he's o- almost been in Babylon for 70 years and he's reading through his, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, which we have in our Old Testament. He's working through that, and he comes across this piece in Jeremiah where it talks about Israel being taken captive to Babylon for 70 years, and after 70 years, being allowed to return home. And so he does the math, and he pulls out his calendar, and he realizes that 70 years for Israel is almost up. So very soon, he's going to be able, along with all of his uh, relatives and his friends and everybody, they're going to be able to return home. It's been 70 years since he's probably seen a lot of family and friends, 70 years since he saw the walls that surround Jerusalem, 70 years since he worshiped in the temple of God. It must have been like Christmas morning for him. And, and, and he reads this. And what I noticed right away about chapter 9 is he doesn't buy a one-way ticket to Israel at that point. Like, he doesn't pack his bags. He doesn't rush in to any situation. He doesn't buy real estate in Israel while it's still a buyer's market and before anybody else moves there. He doesn't forget the most important thing. This is, this is what happens. It says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. And what follows is this beautiful prayer. I'd encourage you to take time to read that. You know, before Daniel packs his bags, before he moves, before he does anything, he doesn't forget the most important thing, God. And, and we see this sprinkled out throughout his entire story. We, we've talked about it for the past eight weeks. Before he makes any decision, before he runs into anything, the glue that has held his faith together is the fact that he puts God first in his life. I mean, the first week we were talking about um, how Daniel as a 15-year-old was faced with the reality that he might have to compromise his values and go on a Babylonian diet versus an uh, Israeli diet and and. You know, for us today, diets come every week. There's paleo, there's Atkins, there's keto. I'm on Cheeto right now. It's been, it's so good. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want. It's a great diet. Um, but, but diets just come and go. But for them, this was like a direct command from God to the people of Israel. And before he, he goes off, before he makes any decision, he spends time in prayer with God. Fast forward a little bit, and King Nebuchadnezzar is putting pressure on him because King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and, and the, the ultimatum is either you die or you interpret my dream. By the way, I'm not going to tell you the dream. And what does Daniel do, do? He goes to God and he prays all night, all night, 
and he's able to interpret the dream. When he's faced with the reality of going into the lion's den or um, in dying or uh, praying to the king of Babylon at the time, he spends his whole day praying to God. Like Daniel never forgot the most important thing. And I wonder how many of us do just the opposite of Daniel because we're so hasty. You know, we see that opportunity in front of us. We, we see that house that looks like a dream home that we've always wanted and, and we think now is the time to buy. Or, or we see that relationship that we've just been craving for and we meet that person and we're like, now is the time to make the move on that. Or, or you see opportunities in family life or whatever that is. And, and the thing is, those aren't inherently bad things. It's just if we don't go to God, what can seem to be a blessing at the time can quickly become a burden. Like if your decisions are not informed by God, a blessing at the time can become a burden. That, that car may look really spacious and, and feel like something that'll help your family feel more comfortable and the gas mileage is great and it's nice and shiny, but three months down the line when you have to start paying for it, it might become more of a burden. Or that house that you purchased, it, it's got that extra room, that extra space downstairs and it just seems like such a blessing and a few months down the line you're looking at losing your job or moving and it quickly becomes a burden. See, God knows the plans he has for our future. God knows what's next for us and so we'd be foolish not to come to God and, and to forget the most important thing. My first point today, you can write this down if you'd like, is that Daniel demonstrates to us that in order to have unshakable faith, we have to seek God first. We have to go to God first. And here's the thing, Satan knows this. Satan knows this, which is why if he wins this battle in your life, he will win so many more battles in your life. If he can cut off that connection that you have with God before you can even make it, your decisions you make, the plans you make for your future will not be informed by the all-knowing, all-loving God, but by yourself. And so Satan will come at you and he will try everything in his power to cut that connection off with God at the very start. But, but Daniel didn't let it happen. Matthew says, or Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus challenges us to seek God before making any decision, before stepping in, in, into any new season of life. And so my question for you today is, are you making that daily effort to connect with God? Like, are, are, are you really going to God first before you make that purchase, before you make that move, before you make that job change? Are you really seeking God first? Rick Warren says, you can test it like this. You can ask yourself, if I'm praying and I'm not getting an answer, I need to start by asking, am I meeting these expectations? Am I connected with God? Am I connecting with God first or am I making decisions on my own? See, we are, we are so hasty. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're hasty. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, you're really hasty. Like, this is not a joke. So, so many of us are so hasty to step in into that opportunity, into that job, whatever it is. We're, we're so hasty to have the promises of God and the blessings of God, but we don't like the process that it takes to get there. 
We want to have unshakable faith, but, but we don't take the time to connect with God daily and to develop and cultivate that relationship. I found this out the hard way um, in running. I, I signed up for a marathon about a year and a half ago, and it, you know it's an 18-week training program. And uh, at the end of 18 weeks, I was going to run my marathon. And I got about four weeks into it, and I started having foot pain. And that foot pain got to the point where I just I couldn't even run anymore. And so I took four weeks off, came back to it, and I had the choice either run the marathon at, at the end of the 18 weeks and just, you know, go on it with less weeks of training, or um, move my marathon back a, a few months at that point and, and take the time to really train and to get ready. And I was just so desperate to run that marathon and be able to say I did it and run it before the end of the year. And uh, I, I went there race day and I was running so good for the first 20 miles. Like I was running faster than I thought I was. I was like cruising by people. I thought, man, I'm going to surprise everybody with this time. And then I hit 20 miles and it hurt so bad. I mean, like, I, at one point I was like, I think I'll walk, and walking hurt more than running. Um, I, I got to the point where on the side of the road that had this sign that said, trust your training, and I was like, if only you knew what my training was, you would not be holding up that sign. We are so hasty, so hasty to step into that relationship, that job, that family, that, that uh, new place to live, whatever it is. We are so hasty to do that, but we, we neglect the process. But the thing is with God, you can't have the promises of God without the process. Just the same as you can't run a marathon unless you take the time to practice. Which is why Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And Jesus is a perfect example of this. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 Jesus is baptized by John as before his public ministry has started. And it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus audibly hears the voice of God. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't run straight out and start preaching on street corners. He doesn't recruit all of his disciples there in that moment. He, he doesn't kick off his, his public ministry. It says this, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That just might be the understatement of the century. 40 days and 40 nights without food. But I don't want you to miss that. 40 days and 40 nights spent seeking God before he went into public ministry. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to seek God first before making decisions, before stepping into that public ministry, how much more do you and I need that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The first thing we need to do to have unshakable faith is we need, to, we need to not forget the most important thing. We need to put God first. The second thing we need to do in order to have unshakable faith is to listen. And um, I find that when I've finally made that priority to really seek God first and I spend time in prayer in the morning or at night before bed, um, my prayer life sounds a lot more like requests and a list of demands than it does actually listening to God. You know, like I'm writing a Christmas list to God that I expect that he meets and, and uh, redeems for me. But the nature of meeting with God and listening is that praying with God is a conversation. 
And you know that a conversation, by, by definition, is a two-way exchange, right? Like, we can go get coffee together, and you can talk for the whole hour, and I can sit there and not say much. That doesn't mean we had a conversation. That means you talked at me the whole time. By the way, some of you are sitting next to someone who's really good at talking at people. Don't point them out. Um, you're looking at one right now that has been talking at you for the past 10 minutes. So, um, But conversation, by definition, is a two-way exchange. It's speaking and it's listening. In James chapter um, 1, verse 9, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Prayer is a conversation. And honestly, when you get to that point where you're actually putting this time aside to talk to God, listening to God is going to be one of the hardest things you do because you have so much noise competing for your attention in your life. I pull out my phone and I've got YouTube and podcasts and Facebook and Instagram and Gmail and Pastor Eric blowing up my phone all the time. I mean, like every hour at least. I, I, no, I'm just kidding. He doesn't text me. Um, but you, you have so much stuff competing for your attention in your life. And actually, as I was writing this sermon, as I was writing this part, I, I was sitting at my desk and, you know, I had my my monitor in front of me for my computer. I had my computer. I had my iPad. I had a phone in front of me and I had a book. And I was like, I'm stuck on this point. And I, I realized in that moment, I've just got to disconnect myself from this in order to hear the voice of God. Sometimes we just got to put our phones down. We've got to put ourselves in an environment where we don't have Wi-Fi or I know that sounds really difficult, but stepping outside, going on a walk and just taking the time to actually listen to God listen to his voice in your life. So we've got to seek God. When we start seeking God, we've got to listen to God if we want to have unshakable faith. And the third thing we need to do is we need to be honest with God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So God knows about your marital struggles. He knows about those bills that are difficult to pay. He knows about those strained relationships. He knows about that pornography problem, the drugs. He knows about depression. He knows about anxiety. He already knows before you ask him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God wants to connect with you because God wants what's best for you. And one of the best things you can do is go to God and be honest and develop that relationship, develop that conversation with him. And if you're like me at all, maybe you think um, you feel kind of unworthy at times to talk to God or, or you feel like you should use really big words when you have conversation with the God of the universe. You know, like I remember my pastors would, would use big words like entire sanctification and prevenient grace and righteousness by faith. And I just don't pray like that. And that sometimes made me feel a little insecure. But, you know, when my son comes and talks to me, he's a year and a half old. He can't really say a whole lot. His, his main words right now are puppy dog. He says, puppy dog. Uh, <laughs> what is it is, is it? And then my favorite one is Avery. He said, Avery? Oh. Avery is uh, three months older than him. And uh, we've arranged a marriage with their parents <laughs> for when they're 20. 
I'm just kidding. If this is your first Sunday, our church does not do arranged marriages. Please, please do not take that home with you. Like, ah, I checked out Sea Road, and you can actually get married. Like, we'll set it up for you and everything. No, take that out of the podcast and the Facebook Live, please. The, we, we feel like we got to use churchy language, but my son's a perfect example. He comes to me, and it gives me so much joy to grant his request. He can't say elaborate sentences. He, he can't, which would be a little weird, right? If like by a week old, he was like, father, I'd like a glass of milk. I'd be like, son, I'm going to sprinkle you with some holy water. Like that's <laughs> like just, it's. But uh, he, he can't use those, those, you know, complicated phrases. But it gives me so much joy when I get the opportunity to grant his request and answer his request. You know, when, when he asks for food and I can give him food and, when he asks for his toy from, from the toy bin, I can give that to him, or his blanket, or if he just needs to be held. It gives me so much joy as his parent to be able to pick him up and hold him. And God wants that same type of relationship with you. He's not expecting you to come to him with all the answers and everything figured out. He just wants that, you to have a conversation with him. And as you do, as you grow, you'll, you'll be a lot like my son. You'll learn how to have conversation. As you practice, you'll learn how to pray. See, to have unshakable faith, we've got to go to God first. We've got to have conversation and listen to God, and we've got to be honest with God. At the end of Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, he says this. I love this part. He says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel the man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Another translation says you are deeply, deeply When you begin to cultivate that connection with God, when you begin to develop that relationship with God, it's a lot like being a boat out at the sea with God as your anchor. And when you attach yourself to God, when you connect with God, there's not a storm that could hit you. There's not a wave that could overtake you. There's not a current that could pull you away from that firm foundation that is God, that is the creator of the universe, that loves you more than you could ever love yourself, that knows you better than you could ever know yourself. When you attach yourself to the anchor that is God, you will have un unshakable faith no matter what hits you but it's a process and it takes practice and I know this all too well Hannah and I before we came to Centennial Road we were in a band as as I mentioned before and we were traveling around and we were at this church and and uh, we knew the pastor well and he came up to Hannah after we played our show and he was like man I just love the ministry you guys are doing but I would love to see you involved in local ministry. Like, I, I just, there's nothing wrong with waiting tables and, and uh, babysitting, but I just love to see you guys get involved in local ministry. And that was on our hearts. We knew God was calling us to that in some capacity, but we always thought, like, you can't have the two. You know, you can't, you can't play shows because shows are on the weekend when church is and it just doesn't work out. And uh, that pastor was like, no, like, we can make this work. I'd like you to strongly consider it. And our minds were blown. We were like, okay, so this is actually a real 
opportunity for us. And so we took the time and, and we just sought God. We didn't make any rash decisions. By the way, I wish I could say that I did that. This was like a regular practice for me. This is like the exception of me following what, I, what I'm um, preaching today really well. Um, but we sought God. And, and that week, we had over four other churches out of the blue. We hadn't sent resumes out or anything. Contact us and say, we'd love for you to come work here in ministry with us. And one of them was Pastor Eric. And uh, I had two thoughts with that. Number one, Sea Road was familiar because I had done my internship, which can be a good or bad thing, right? Like, okay, I know some people. It's a, it's a cool town. Um, but if we wanted something different, maybe familiar wasn't good. The, the second thought I had was Don's fish and chips. <laughs> like, you think I'm joking. That made it on the pros and cons list for sure. Hey, if the board is listening right now, when you get a pastor who comes in and they're trying out and you like them, you just take them to Don's Fish and Chips, get them two cod and a putin, and then the tartar sauce behind the counter, not the stuff on the counter. I'm telling you, it's, that's, that's a done deal. But uh, Don's is about to have good business today. But we, uh, we, we prayed about it and we sought, sought it out and, and we just, we, we kept listening to the voice of God and, and God spoke through friends, through family, through prayer and we narrowed it down and I'm just going to be honest, conventional wisdom would have probably said stay stateside, you know, where you're close to family, um, earn U.S. dollars <laughs> so that you can pay off U.S. debt and uh it was uh, conventional wisdom would have said that, but we just heard the voice of God so clearly speaking to us to come here. And, and so we, we made the decision and, um, you know, I could have never imagined the blessing that that would have been in my life, in Hannah's life. The people we would meet, the friendships, the family we would make. I could have never imagined that my son would have taken some of his first steps out there in the boulevard and learned his first steps in the church building. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. When we begin to cultivate that connection with God, when we seek God first, when we listen to his voice, when, when we're honest with God, when we engage in that prayer life, we tap into the purposes and the promises of God. Charles Stanley outlines 14 ways that prayer will begin to change your life. He says, number one, it provides timely direction it prevents wrong decisions. It eliminates worry and anxiety. It produces peacefulness. It invites God into our activity. It produces confidence. It eliminates fretting. It sharpens discernment. It gives us energy. It prevents distractions. It reminds us to act now. It protects us from discouragement, opens doors of opportunity, and helps us discern between busyness and fruitfulness, among other things. When you begin to tap into prayer, when you make it a, a commitment to seek God first, you tap into the purposes and the promises of God for your life. And so I just, I want to challenge us. I want to walk home with a, a really strong application. Daniel, throughout his life, never forgot the most important thing, and that was his connection with God. And so if you have your bulletin or you have a, a phone where you can write something down or um, your husband or wife's hand or whatever it is, you can, I, I just want you to take a minute and write down three different times each day this week that you are going to make a commitment 
to seek God first. You know, maybe it's 6 a.m. when you wake up or um, and it's at lunch and it's at dinner, maybe before bed and in the afternoon and around lunchtime, whatever it is. I want you to, to take time right now, go ahead and write it down three different times every day this week that you are going to seek God, that you're going to put him first, that you're not going to forget the most important thing. Because I believe that when we do that, I believe that when we're a people who really seek God first, I, I believe that has the power not just to change our lives, but the lives of our kids and our families and, and the city that we live in. I, I believe that as we become more and more of a people that seek God first and a people of prayer, that that has the ability to change the world around us. And so I just want you... To, if, if you would, just write down three different times and commit to that for this next week. Um, Hannah and I will be, will be joining you guys in, in that challenge. And uh, I just want to close here by praying. And I, I'm just going to give you 30 seconds, 45 seconds, whatever that is, in, in prayer to have conversation with God before we close up here. So if we, you bow your head and close your eyes. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that you love us, that you wrap your arms around us, that your plans and purposes for our lives are greater than we could ever imagine. And I'm praying right now, God, for those who are hurting in this room. I'm praying for those who are struggling. I'm praying for those who are in seasons of success in their lives. That in the highs and the lows and everywhere in between, that we would seek you first. That we would listen to you that we would be honest with you, that we would connect ourselves to you like a boat connecting to an anchor, God. And would you make us more like you every day? In your name, amen.